Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. An Erio's original... Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert Kevin Smokler. Kevin is a writer, documentary filmmaker, and event host with a focus on pop culture. He's the author of the book, Brat Pack America, a love letter to 80s teen movies, and the director slash producer of the upcoming documentary film, Vinyl Nation. Learn more at VinylNationFilm.com. Let's hear what he has to say about the murderous events that happened in Heather's The Movie. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us today. Rebecca, thanks for having us. This is going to be fun. <laughs> so I, I, can you start off by giving our listeners a, a brief synopsis of your book, Brat Pack America, A Love Letter to 80s teens, Teen Movies? Yeah. Um, the part of it that is not in the title is I had this idea that 80s teen movies were a genre that deserved the same kind of respect and analysis as action movies or romantic comedies or, you know, South American documentaries or something like that. And uh, and the angle I took was, and that's this is the America in Brack Pack America, was that you could you could take a map of America and actually plot put points on it where eighties teen movies happened and were filmed or said they happened fictionally. And that would be a really cool way to look at this genre of movies. So I made the capital city, um, Shermer, uh, Illinois, where all the John, where all the John Hughes movies happens. And of course, Heather's happens fictionally, but Heather's happens in Sherwood, Ohio. And they make a, they make kind of a big deal about what kind of place Sherwood, Ohio is in the movie. 
And how does that, uh, you know, speak to the movie? How does its location really, uh, you know, I, I, I'm forgetting the word here, but <laughs> speak to it. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, of course, Heather was, Heather's was originally conceived as both an anti-John Hughes movie, uh, but also a, but also a kind of 70s schlock drive-in horror movie. Um, I think the original pitch from Daniel Waters to himself, because nobody was listening when he wrote this movie, <laughs> uh, was, was uh, a teenage girl who falls in love with the Antichrist. Uh, and he... And she was, he was like, oh, well, that kind of movie would play at, you know, one thirty in the morning at the drive-in after all the kids and families had gone home, you know, between like swinging cheerleaders and like, you know, murder, murder in gym class or some, you know, mass murder in gym class or some, some, those kind of movies. Um, and I think that premise, like those kind of movies were, were long past their prime by the time he was writing Heathers. But the idea of it taking place in Ohio to me also resonated with the bumper crop of horror movies from that period. Famously, Nightmare on Elm Street takes place in Ohio, even though it was filmed on some street in Venice or something like that. And there's palm trees and sunshine and it never <laughs> rains or, or, or drops below 73 degrees in that movie. But like, but, uh, Wes Craven, uh, in a very pointed political way, wanted to make that movie set in Ohio because he grew up in a fundamentalist religious family in Ohio and was very critical of that upbringing. And he saw Nightmare on Elm Street as a movie that was that was highly critical about the hypocrisy of adults and the way they they uh, 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 employed that hypocrisy to not listen to and and neglect kids. Um, So I think. The location of Heather speaks to that too. It speaks to its more modern horror movie roots, uh, but I also think more more to the point. It's um, it reminds us that uh, that it takes place in this fictionalized, idealized, and only the shallowest kind of materialistic way of a, of a midwestern setting. Um, and I think it's a very, I think it's a very like coastal view of of the way people view the Midwest. Uh-huh. That the Midwest is this place <laughs> where is this place w- with with a seeming with a seeming facade of of where everything is fine, and underneath everybody's like cheating on their wives and murdering each other before first period. And like, um, I think, uh, but I think that's that's a lot of what the original Heather screenplay was after. So, what is it about Heather's that? makes it then a, a cult classic because I know that it wasn't well received uh, when it first premiered. No, and, and actually you, you 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 ask a really good question there because I don't like I don't know what like the Rotten Tomatoes rating was for Heather's <laughs> like at the time, even though we didn't have Rotten Tomatoes at the time. <laughs> but um, I don't know how critically Heather's was received. That's a really good question. But in terms of like making money, Heather's couldn't get arrested. Like like uh, famously like Famously, I think the producer Denise Sanovi took out like the one ad in the L.A. Times um, that for the movie and paid for it out of her own pocket because Laura Mar Pictures, who produced Heather's, went bankrupt like seven and a half minutes before the movie was released uh, in March of '89, and so uh, so the 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 people who came together to make Heather's were completely left holding the bag, um, and who knows if it would have been a hit otherwise. But they basically were in the worst possible circumstances when uh, when that movie came out, and so I guess we could say it's small wonder it didn't get the hearing it deserved at at, at the movie theater because they were going in with with you know with 
three pieces of chewing gum and a ball of twine. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) So let's jump into the plot of the movie. Heathers, uh, the Heathers are set up as the most powerful clique in school. And while Veronica seems to be part of the group, what is the dynamic between them? Within them, I should say. This is going to sound, God, this is going to sound so pretentiously awful of me to say, but there's a, there's an almost like Shakespearean King Lear quality to it, you know, like, except there's no King Lear. There's just, there's just the daughters of King Lear arguing about like who is, who gets which part of the kingdom. And then there's like the new one. There's also, there's also a like weird, perverse three musketeers thing happening you know it's like it's like if you're a group of three people in a fictional setting never invite a fourth person in because the fourth person the fourth person is always trouble like like if you're the three musketeer don't invite a fourth no dartanians please uh, always bad news no veronicas like uh, uh and so like maybe the heather should have known better like like uh, maybe this is not the time to be expanding beyond people named heather because like that could be in fact the we see that we see the reign of heathers at the very end you know this is this is like i guess we could imagine heathers before heathers and uh and 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 the three prequels are all about like the rise and reign of the heathers right um and so and, and the movie heathers is about the fall of the heathers um so yeah. uh so i i i guess I hadn't thought of this until right now. So thank you for inspiring <laughs> for inspiring that thought. But it's like it's like we are seeing the end of the Heathers right now. And and, and our main character is the person responsible for that. It's the the end of the rain, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the new the the, the new uh, uh monarchy is stepping in. <laughs> yeah, the, what's the what's the sa- the last line in the movie? Heather my love, there's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> Which is um, which is kind of which which, which is a, a brilliant last line for Heather's because it's also like it's the spirit the entire movie begins with like the like you could I, the first line of Heather's is dear diary but it could also be like Heather my love there's a new sheriff in town because the first thing we see of course is 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 the. I'm, I'm sorry. No, no. The first line of the movie is "It's your move, Heather." No, it's your move, Heather. And we learn <laughs> this is the croquet scene. Yeah. Yes. And um, but we the first thing we do is meet the person who is responsible for the end of the power of the Heather's. So, so the character of JD is established as a super cool guy with an anti-popular kid agenda. What does this character represent in the film? I mean, we're saying it's he's the Antichrist. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's also like. He's also there's a there's a co-hero vibe to Heather's. I mean, I think unquestionably Veronica is the hero, but there's also like a I mean, obviously this is Heather's is clearly a movie that loves other movies. Um, there's lots of references to other movies. It was clearly it was written by someone who worked at a video store. So this is this is not. This is Heather's is a movie that is critical of one kind of movie, um, but is just in love with the very notion of movies and all of the ideas and dreams and fantasies that come from them. Um, I think, so JD is a co-hero in the way Bonnie and Clyde are kind of co-heroes and the way, you know, two years or three years later, Mickey and Mallory from Natural Born Killers would be kind of co-heroes. Um, but he's also like, I got to say, I love movies that have that begin with a narration from the main character, particularly that begin with kind of a dear diary narration, because it always lets loose the possibility in the movie that what 
is about to happen is in the narrator's head, that it may or may not be real. Um, I remember Sarah Jessica Parker, I believe when she was on Inside the Actors Studio, said we have to remember Carrie Bradshaw is a writer. So it introduces the possibility that the other three characters are are fictional versions of of who Carrie Bradshaw would like to, uh, to see herself as or who she would like to invent as her three best friends. And I think there's always this this tantalizing little thing hanging out there that maybe JD maybe JD is imaginary maybe JD is a is 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 a work of fiction conceived by Veronica by the way if this movie was made a year after Fight Club, he would have been like, like he, we we would have found out at the end that JD was Tyler Durden and like, um, wow, yeah. you're blowing my mind. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Heather's ten years later. It, 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 JD is made up. Yeah. <laughs> so what what is it that sets off the 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 murderous chain of events? Oh shoot! So like the scene where Heather Chandler. Uh, is killed is probably my favorite scene in the movie. Um, I, I mean, and if you listen to it, it's like it's like line for line. It's like th- there is not a wasted moment, uh, word of dialogue in that scene. Um, and of course, that happens because uh, Heather Chandler and Veronica have gone to a a Remington University party. Isn't that a great name? <laughs> like, like I, I it's filmed at a frat house at UCLA, but like it's still. <laughs> such a great name it's like um it's like it's like a perrier ad in esquire for but but for the college like something like that and um and uh veronica is feeling sick and she has to go home early and heather chandler is really mad about it and um and so the next morning heather chan or veronica and jd show up at heather chandler's house heather chandler sleeping off a hangover and they whip up what JD refers to as a home remedy for her. And, and Veronica thinks it's going to be a prank that they're going to feed her a, uh, a disgusting concoction of milk and orange juice. And it's going to like just make her sicker after, after having a, <laughs> uh, after sleeping off a hangover. And then um, JD jokes that they should put, what is it? No rust buildup in the, uh, in the drink. Um, and then uh, they, Pour two cups, one of the poison, one of the just disgusting stuff, and then it's kind of unclear how uh, Heather Chandler ends up drinking the poison that kills her, and she convulses into spasms and fly- collapses through the uh, the glass coffee table. I, I I'm sure you you have discussed that like like that scene set back the progress of glass coffee tables for about 25 years like 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 i i cannot tell you how many people i've talked to who were like i am never purchasing a glass coffee table because because i will i will trip over something and go heather chandler straight through it i i see that happening um but that's kind of the that that's kind of the page thirty of this movie, right? I mean, that's the that's the exciting event, the the accidental dash slash murder. It's not really clear of of Heather Chandler that um, that uh, gets this whole gets this whole like wow, this is a movie about a series. This is a movie about a series of killings in a high school in motion. So, how implicit is Veronica in the murders? I mean, based on how you kind of portrayed potentially JD being in her head, Mm -hmm. (laughs) this might change, you know, how she's usually seen. Yeah. I don't know. Like, like that's a really good question. I think the movie leaves it dangling for a reason. And I think it's good that it does. 
Like I, um, I think this is Heather's is set up as a dark comedy. Um, and I think I, I think it works very well as a dark comedy. I think it works well as a lot of other kind of movies too. I think it I think it feels a little bit like those like the movies that would come in the proceed in the in the, in the decade to follow that were based on sort of lurid you know lurid gothic young adult novels like like I know what you did last summer. I think I think Heather's feels very much like a Lois Duncan novel. Um, I think um, I think Heather's is also like I mean Heather's is is also undoubtedly a teen movie. I mean, it's a certain kind of teen movie. If Heather's were music, it's a little bit like punk because it's kind of, it's not, it's kind of in reaction to something else. Um, But it's also like, it's part of a, it's part of a, um, a a little, little subset of 80s teen movies that really begins with Over the Edge at the beginning of the decade and ends with Heather's, where like, in these movies, like they aren't John Hughes movies, where it's fundamentally good kids trying to do good things. It's it's kids that are um, that are human warts and all, and essentially live in a society where they are seen as fugitives and criminals. Or in the case of Heather's, like uh, patronized like bunny rabbits. <laughs> Another one of my favorite lines from that movie. But I feel like I, I, I wandered about seventy five degrees afield from your question, but like. Um, <laughs> So, well, let's talk about JD's dad because, yeah. uh, you know, and, and it feels like he's got an interesting relationship with his dad and, and the death of his mother. Is there mm. any validity in t- to the argument that JD's penchant for death and destruction stems from this generational trauma? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but I think like I think like like first of all, like I don't I don't remember who the actor is who plays JD's dad. I, that is one of the great like one scene walk on roles of <laughs> yeah. like the decade. Like, and if Heather's had a higher budget, they would have like in a perverse way they would have like given like they would have given that role to like some like nice guy actor. They would have given that role to like Tom Hanks or Will Ferrell or something like that, and that would have been like that would have been like super comically delicious in, in, in a really dark way. But like, I, there's definitely like, um, I mean, Heathers does great scenes with the grownups and, and the, the scenes with JD and his dad and the scenes with Veronica and her parents seem to be like two halves of a whole um, where the parents and the kids are just talking past each other. Yeah. Uh, where, where like people say things where it's clear they're not listening to the other one. Um, and, uh, and so I feel like I don't know. Like, I, I think that possibility is dangling out there enough so we could interpret Heather's in the way you're saying. <laughs> but I also like the idea of, like, personally, and this is just me being a selfish viewer of this movie. Like, I like the idea of JD sort of springing forth from the womb as a, as a nut. You know, like <laughs> I kind of like that better than having than having an explanation for it that his his father is a bigger nut and was responsible for the for the death of his mom. So while rewatching, I I was very struck by how the movie tackles teen suicide and school violence. Do you think this kind of movie would get made today? Um, Yes, I don't think it would look or feel like Heather's, but I think there are there are definitely movies being made today that not only tackle these really tough issues, and some of them are issues we just don't see as 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 difficult to 
we don't have to have a very special episode for them anymore. I mean, the great Netflix, you know, teen movie, the half of it that came out like a year or two ago is like, like, you know, the, the, the page 60 of that movie is, is, is the main character decides she's gay and in love with another girl. And like, and that would be a very special episode during the time of Heather's. And in this movie, no, it's just like what happens next. Like, um, it's just the natural progression of the story of, of the half of it. Um, I think like, I, I think Heather's would have to look different. I think. I think it would probably have to be a little slicker. Um, I think. I think the great teen movie Dope that came out five or six years ago is essentially risky business set in the twenty first century, um, but it doesn't. You know, it it has a very kind of slick music video quality to it. Um, and uh, in that in in that case, it's it's and in, in fact, it's kind of even the, even though. It is that way. It's more grounded in reality than Risky Business is, which, because, thanks to the Tangerine Dream soundtrack, feels like sort of a fever dream of, a, of, of an 18-year-old. Um, it, would, it would feel very different, but it could totally be done. I, I am of the philosophy that, um, that the period that Heathers comes from birthed birthed uh, uh, the era of teen movie making that we are living in now. It was not, it was not a period that came and went, and, and, and there, hasn't been, there haven't been any good teen movies made since Heather's. That's just nonsense. Like. So in our episode, we discussed how the popular kids were all wealthy and privileged. Uh, per, like, perhaps if they had some hobbies, no one would end up dying uh, in this movie. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I listened to that episode and I love like I'm, I'm a big like believer in extracurricular activities. Like I did more of those than go to class when I was in high school. And so like I'm a big believer in like and like, you know what? Like 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 French club is a solution to most of society's ills. Like I'm so do you think that the socioeconomic stratification of these characters plays into the murders? What, what is the writer trying to say here? I think that's definitely part of it. And I think like I think Dan Waters, who wrote this movie, is both uh uh dealing with the realities of making a teen movie in the mid to late nineteen eighties, which are your villains were like, you know, a guy with with a severe side part, you know, probably named Bobby with a sweater tied around his neck. Like, um, by the way, it, it, it is is if that person tormented you in high school, it is a fabulous cosmic pop culture retribution that that character in Valley Girl who plays Julie's boyfriend, the great character actor Michael Bowen, goes on to play the goes on to play the the, the neo Nazi gang leader in Breaking Bad as a grown up. Like that's 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 kind of exactly how that should have happened, um, and. Uh, and but I think like it's part of the reason like one of the things Heather's does so beautifully is like it reminds us that villains are often more interesting than heroes mm. and um and and villains are always much more a reflection of the times we live in than heroes are so I think there was probably a certain amount of outside pressure on Heather's that like okay well the villains got to be the rich popular kids like we can't put. We can't put the heroes got to wear black and ride a motorcycle and uh, and and look like and 
look like someone from a slightly another time and no joke, you know, no surprise that they called him Jason Dean, haha. But like, uh, and the villains gotta wear gotta wear Letterman jackets, like fine. Um, but there's also like, I think there's a, I, I think Heather's is also playing very much with the with with it, it has a real kitchen sink approach to like to to every high school cliche you can think of, and so so I think like. Heather's released five years later. Heather's two or three drafts down, you know, in Heather's with more money. Eh, villains could have ended up as something else. Mm. Like, So at the end of the day, we always have to ask this question. If you mm-hmm. had to pick one person or thing, it could be a concept that is <laughs> to blame for the murders in Heather's. Who mm-hmm. or what would that be? Oh, oh, this is fun. Like, like, okay, like, I, I, I and, and I got to pick something like, like you guys haven't, well, it wasn't on the board already, right? Like, no, you can, it can be whatever you think at the end of the day, we should have picked as the thing to blame. Oh, okay. So you're okay. our expert. We, oh, <laughs> are you sure that's what you want? To yeah, have yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, I think like I like where you and I were going with this conversation at the beginning that like that like maybe what we're witnessing here this movie should really be called The Fall of the House of the Heathers and um and so maybe what's to blame maybe what's to blame is the is the governmental structure of the Heathers and wow. the mistake and the mistake of allowing a fourth non-Heathers person in. Now, that sounds like an argument for racial purity, and we should not make that argument. Uh, that, no. That's gross, actually, no. but we shouldn't. But, um, but maybe, maybe what's to blame is the, is, is, is the lack of recognition from the Heathers on how tenuous their hold on power actually was. Um, wow. the, the, uh, the, the arrogance and ignorance of the Heathers not realizing that, um, that there was actually, that there was actually room in their stranglehold on Westboro High. It was a, a managerial error at yes. the end of the day. Yeah. Well, it was, it, it was a, um, it was the mistake that it was the mistake that all king that all kings and queens make. That's right. That, that there, that, that no monarchy is absolute. Wow. Well, Kevin, uh, thank you so much for bringing your expertise to the table. <laughs> and, uh, we are going to have to discuss this. Uh, but thanks for helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for the murderous events in Heather's. Uh, Rebecca, it was my pleasure. Thanks so much for asking. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Alarmist. With us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Uh, hello, Rebecca. Hello, Alarmy. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hello, everyone. It was such a pleasure to have Kevin on our show. I mean, he, he just dropped so many, uh, what would you say, like clarity bombs on the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I love clarity bombs. That's what the experts always drop. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, where he was going and where he ended up. Uh, I, I couldn't have been more pleased. I honestly wanted to say that I wanted to... Uh, Shakespeare really missed an opportunity to write the play about the three daughters of King Lear. Yeah. <laughs> that was my thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his clarity it. bombs were also really... Uh, they were really well dropped and, and <laughs> they were scattered in such a way that in the end they formed the word... What was it? Government of Heathers? Yes. Yes. Governmental structure. Sure. Was that a governmental structure of the Heathers? And you know what I love so much about when we do a pop culture episode like this, in our minds, we're like, we're taking a little break from the really serious stuff. But then when you get a guest expert on, like Kevin, who's a scholar of this sort of pop culture, you go, wait a minute, Heather's is just as important as the sinking of the Titanic. Like, <laughs> we're, we're actually doing academic work here by analyzing this. And it is like pop culture is super important to, you know, how we exist in the world. So I just so much appreciate people like Kevin who build these amazing careers out of studying something um, 
that is so important, but a lot of people might just go like, oh, teen movies. But how important are teen movies truly to to the world? Totally. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. And a part of me was like, I wish I ha- we had done this episode before we tackled Henry VIII or one of the big, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> monarchs. I would have been, uh, you know, looking into his 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 way of running his own monarchy way more, you know, <laughs> the, the, the minutia, the everyday <laughs> minutia of the way he run his, ran his uh, uh, kingdom. Um, <laughs> and totally. yeah, I mean, I still think the Titanic is a little more important, maybe Amanda than Heather's the movie. What? Well, I mean, significance of American history. No, like, but to, I, I take to I, you I personally. Think you're, you're, I think you're right in 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 that it's like these are the things that reflect society, and these are the these are the things that also move culture forward in lots of ways because they set trends and and that kind of thing. And if if it's done well, you know, it's meant for us to to really consider who we are in this moment. Yeah, well said. So, I mean, I I totally agree with his verdict. Um and it kind of oh before, but before I, I just totally agree with him, um, I do want to point out how he was saying that JD could potentially have been in Veronica's head, which yes. then goes back to the point of is Veronica to blame then for letting him in her head? See, that's an interesting perspective because I was thinking, well, that gets her off the hook even more. Interesting. I, 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 I saw the opposite i was like oh well jd is just the manifestation of veronica's evil side oh i see what you're saying like he didn't even exist yes okay i for some reason when i heard him say that i was thinking like he's infiltrated her mind like this evil entity but oh like she manifested him i see yeah Yeah. and in the end she she blows she he like commits suicide uh, with the bomb, but really she like like allows it to happen. <gasps> oh my god! She it's watches like her, him. Her drop dead Fred, her imaginary. Friend. Yes. Wait a minute. Is drop dead Fred Heather's? <laughs> Wait a second, guys. Barney is a dinosaur from our imagination. Oh no! <laughs> I like that Barney is Chris's JD. <laughs> You are dinosaurs are vicious. Dinosaurs are yes. That's right. That, that's right, Chris. They are vicious, and <laughs> JD was vicious inside. If 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 he is what we are implying that he is, um, then 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 my feelings on Veronica felt very validated. I know because you weren't you weren't pleased with Veronica and I I think we're not you're right that it's almost like you're not giving her enough credit by totally letting her off the hook you know and then alternatively if JD is the antichrist that changes things too because then you know then she didn't stand a chance right she was possessed this is a horror movie it, it really well, is. Well, it really. She's was. possessed by a demon. It was a horror movie. 
I mean, yes. And I, I love that he mentioned that the, you know, the filmmakers had placed it in Ohio because because it was a, I guess you could say, a, a response to all the other horror movies of the time that were taking place there. And I mean, he also said something about the filmmaker or the writer who, uh, I don't know if you remember this, he said he wrote it while working at a video store. Mm. Mm. Which then made me think of Dawson's Creek. Mm. Which then... (laughs) Which then made me think, is Dawson Leary the the writer of... (laughs) Okay, I'm going off on a tangent. Is Dawson Leary to blame for the... For Heathers, did it happen? Yeah, it's possible. You I just think they don't might know. exist in the same universe. Those two IPs. <laughs> well, okay. So, thank you for letting me go off on that tangent. Oh, anytime. Uh, now, that- I just to remind everyone, we sent JD to jail, and we slapped socioeconomic stratification, which was a listener suggestion from at Art Like Bread. And they did win an alarmist touch tool since we chose it for the big slap, which is en route in the for, in the mail. That's right. Um, so are you thinking now, Rebecca, that you might want to change up the verdict? Because honestly, I don't think I can get that touch tool back <laughs> now that it's already it's already sent. That's that's the beauty of of the alarmist. We we that's we just send your, off. That's coming out of your per, your percentage, Amanda. <laughs> I think since we can't take back the socioeconomic stratification, and also I still like that. I still I still think that is slap worthy. Yeah. But I do think we should. Oh, I mean, this is tough. Do we we take JD out and we put the 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 government structure? Here's what I think. We leave JD in the alarmist jail mm-hmm. and. As a side note, we say it's poten- JD is potentially the dark side of Veronica. Okay. Okay. And we give a massive finger wag to monarchies. Oh, okay. I like that. <laughs> and, you know, I-, I just think absolute power is what- what's that saying? Absolute power is an absolute. Corrupt mess. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> absolute power is an absolute mess. You guys. <laughs> I love that. We got to put that on a shirt. <laughs> um, it's it's a really good uh, reminder to all of us. Um, so so that's what I would do. What do you guys think? I support it. I I'm into it. I think it's a good idea. He was also saying, though, you know, the governmental structure. So monarchies are, you know, governments aren't always monarch monarchical. Right. Right. So even a democratically based government, although it makes you wonder, maybe democracy uh, is the if there was a democracy for who the Heathers were, you know, the cool crew was at school. You know, there might be more of um, more fairness, more equality, a little less of our of that social structure that is so destructive what do you think guys i do so i agree basically yeah. i'm just saying I it's agree. almost the, like heather's it's a monarchy but it's also a dictatorship true yeah true i guess mo- monarchy we're saying you're you're it's 
bestowed upon it, it it's you know handed down through sort of lineage gen- yeah, right generationally but then also wealth is that's yeah. true that's rich. true it's well, look it's they're the all in Heather. the soup yeah <laughs> that's what's to blame <laughs> I I was saying like the the monar- monarchy dictatorship they're all like in the same soup. Yeah. Um and you know what they say about soups? Y- you yeah there's a bunch of different things in them but you eat it as a whole. Okay. Uh yes, I have heard that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I've definitely heard that too. Um, let's okay, great. So we'll put that on a shirt and, uh, we'll, uh, I think stick to the verdict. Okay. And then just uh, everyone know we're wagging our fingers at monarchies. That's right. And, and dictatorships and absolute powers, what we're, we're wagging our finger at. Um, okay. So I I feel good about that. I think we're, we're ready to close the book on (laughs) who's to blame for, for the murders and Heathers. Um, and, and, and we, we thank the Alarmy for go, coming with us on this ride. Yeah. Now, tune in next week because we are discussing the 2003 European heat wave. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.